Hi there and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is made by fans for fans and where the content is absolutely free. And as I say to you every week guys, eh, it's not just the pod we've got free. If you go to the Jersnet website, you'll get the forums, there's articles, we have the social media, eh, there's a history archive there. It's all independent and free content made by us for you. Eh, if it's the first time listening to the pod, we would encourage you to subscribe and share it on social media. Eh, we have over 3,500 subscribers now so thanks to everyone who's subscribed so far uh, we are live tonight and the cameras are on again and i've already made an ass of it i forgot to unmute but hey ho that's why we're such an amateur setup uh, so we're live tonight uh, it's a sunday night but the, the the pod and the show will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms including acast itunes youtube cats Passport, Stitcher and Spotify. Uh, so on to the, the, the host introductions and what has been a, a pretty decent day again here for, for us Rangers supporters. Uh, 4-0-1 up at Dingwall today uh, and Celtic drop points at Shark Head. Uh, yeah, so we're again, live tonight, so we're uh, further, further ahead in the league race. Uh, Celtic still have game, games in hand, obviously, but, you know, uh, it's all looking good. Uh, so my guests tonight, you should see them all in the new fancy gizmo. It's, it's, as I said, it's like Gillette Soccer Saturday at the moment. Uh, I've got Ross Bennett and I've got the boss, uh, Stuart Franklin or Frankie. Ross, I'll come to you first. Uh, how are you after that today? Are you, are you as happy as me? I'm thrilled. Yeah, look, it's been a very nice day. Um Feel a wee bit exposed being on the camera. You know, it's, this is all very new for us. Not as exposed as I might otherwise be, but um, no, it's been a good day. I'm wondering if you've got a white Christmas tree because you refuse to have anything green in the house. Actually, that's just I'm in the kitchen, and there's a bit of a story behind that tree. Uh, we moved house last year, so in the last year in our old house, uh, we normally get a real tree, and we couldn't because we'd got a new couch and it was too big. So we got that for the living room. Uh, so the, the green tree, the proper tree is in the living room through there and my wife's put this wee one up in the kitchen. So, But yes, a limited amount of green things in my house, Ross. Obviously, that goes without saying. Is that a green cardigan you've got on, by the way? Green cardigan. <laughs> <laughs> or a green hoodie? It is, it's not, no, it's not green. It's um, deep teal. Oh, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Uh, and also joining us tonight, we've got the boss. He's he's scurrying away in the background there, making sure that all this video stuff works properly. As uh, as Frankie, how are you, Frankie? Are you a happy bear today, like the rest of us? I'm very well, mate, and I in a good mood after a, a good win today. And uh, obviously, Celtic dropping dropping points it makes us even happier. It does indeed, yeah. And what makes it even more hilarious. As uh, the scenes outside Celtic Park again tonight, which were uh, were a joy to behold. But we won't go too much into that. We'll focus on uh, the Teddy Bears and the Rangers, and uh, have a wee look at the Ross County game. Another convincing performance by Rangers today. Uh, difficult conditions, bumpy park, uh, and some other stuff that we'll come on to talk about. So we'll have a wee look at that. We'll have a look at the standard Liège game uh, on Thursday night, which saw us qualify for the knockout stages for the second year in a row with a game to spare. And we'll also have a wee discussion about uh, the, the Club 1872 thing and particularly Dave King's interview on Friday and some of the stuff that he said. So lots to talk about, so we'll get straight in about it. Uh, Ross, I mean, I'll come at you first on the game today. Uh, you know, a fairly routine 4-0 win, goal spread throughout the team. I was getting a wee bit, just, be just before the goal, I was starting to get a wee bit sort of twitchy. Uh, you know, we hadn't created a huge amount of chances. But once we got the goal, we seemed to settle into a rhythm and, uh, you know, a, a fairly routine 4-0 win at the end of the day. 
Yeah, um, I remember actually that the the home game against them, the game at Ibrooks a few months back, they were, again, they were hard to break down and it was a little bit frustrating and a bit slow and a pedestrian at times. But um, I think there's a few things to say about today's game. I wouldn't want to underestimate the impact that that pitch had. I think it looked quite difficult to, to manoeuvre around that. So I think that was a factor. But Ross County were, you know, sitting very deep. They obviously had a game plan, which was to frustrate us. And, you know, what was it, 90 seconds before we got the opening goal, they had a very, very good chance, which was only thwarted by McGregor doing what McGregor does. And he made a very, very good save for the first time he was called upon in what feels like about nine weeks. Um, but ultimately, once that goal went in, certainly in the second half, things opened up a little bit more. I thought we had some phenomenal standout performances from one or two individuals who will come on to talk about. But again, the first half wasn't great. It was a little bit dull, I thought, a little bit drab. But good teams find ways to win. And we've come away from a game in, in Dingwall where we probably didn't play the best that we've played this season. We'll play, we'll have better games. And we've still won by four goals to nil. I mean, it's, it's a very, very good time to be a Rangers fan at the moment. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I thought the pitch was horrific today, really bumpy. And you could see it was, I, I kind of got the impression that that was deliberate, actually, that maybe Ross County had fluffed the pitch up a wee bit in, in order to sort of stop us playing our usual game. But once we got the goal, you know, we settled down and, yeah, a convincing win. Uh, Frankie, I, I'm deliberately coming to you with this question as a member of the Goalkeepers Union yourself, as a former goalkeeper. Alan McGregor now, uh, myself and John spoke about him on Thursday night in the preview show for uh, the, the, the Standard Liège game on Thursday there. He broke the European club, uh, European appearance record, uh, 83 appearances. Today, he kind of again showed how vital he is. Nil-nil, uh, he, he pulled off a save. As, as Ross said, he's not been brought into action much this season, you know, the way Rangers have defended. But there was, there was a stat came out before the game that I thought was just incredible. Uh, Rangers have only conceded three goals all season, which in itself is a, a superb uh, sort of stat. But Alan McGregor's only conceded one of those. You know, the other two were conceded by McLaughlin. And it was an own goal. It was Emerson. So the stat that I, I, I sort of realised today is no opposition player <laughs> scored against Alan McGregor this season. And we're, we're approaching Christmas. And that is, if you if you think about it, it's that's remarkable, really. You know, and he, he really is a vital member of that team. Aye, um, I mean, McGregor's been obviously at Rangers since he was a young man, um, and in both his spells, he's, he's never really let us down. It took him a while to to break through. He went through the sort of usual route of going on wanted clubs, and then finally breaking through um, at the first team in his first spell, and he was excellent then, and he's 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 matured. Um, even more. I mean, his 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 handling's good. He's a great shot stopper. I think his distribution's improved, um, which is important because I think it's one of uh, McLaughlin's best attributes. Is he's really good in the ball and he actually moves the ball really quick for a goalkeeper and and, and means we, we we play at a tempo. I think McGregor had to work on that part of his game because uh, let's uh, make no mistake, McLaughlin did really well at the start of the season when McGregor was out injured so there, there is a challenge there um, and if McGregor doesn't do the business I don't think the manager will have any, any qualms at all in bringing uh, McLaughlin in so I think it's just a, 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 an aspect of the whole team we're, we're really lucky to have two, three players in, in, in every in every position, in every role that, that seem to be capable of coming in and, and playing well and contributing to the team and 
I mean, the, the save today, I, I mean, I, th I thought it was excellent. Fair enough, it was pretty much straight down his throat, but the guy had it at pace. He could have put it either side, but McGregor stood up to it. Um, he could have easily have sold himself, but he didn't. He stood up and he was able to, to claw it away, and, and it was really important because clearly we, we, we opened the scoring um, just, what, two or three minutes after that, and it was a, a, big, a, a, really big, uh, a really big save. And, and it's easy when you go 1-4, Four 0 to to forget that your defence has to do the business when when the the, the forwards on the on the scoring when it's 0 0 and um, I, I think in the, with, with that in mind you McGregor deserves a, a, a lot of credit. Ross is 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 Frankie alluded to there. You know McGregor makes that save and then something like two minutes later we're up the park uh, and we go one 0 up with uh, Kamar Roof Tav again with the assist and and he got two assists. Uh, uh, today in a goal, you know, and Stephen Gerrard said in his sort of post-match comments after the game that he's playing at a level that he's never seen him reach before since, and in his time at Rangers anyway. And I think it's worth mentioning because Tav has, you know, struggled at times and he's had his critics at times, but this season, you know, he is just on a new level. I mean, he was asked how many goals he thought he would score today and he said he would be happy if he got 20. Now, uh, for a right back to say that is, you know, is is quite incredible. And you really do. I mean, we, we, I mean, on the show, including myself, you know, we've given him stick when he's he's sort of deserved it. So if you're giving him stick, you have to give him high praise indeed when he's performing at the level that he's performing at the now. Absolutely, absolutely, massive, massive credit to Tavernier. The way he's conducted himself this season, he's been. Uh, I, I I do not think there's a better player in the Premiership this season than, than Tavernier. He's he's just been exquisite. He's phenomenal to watch. Obviously, as you say, the criticism of Tav has been yeah, he's very good going forward, but he's he doesn't do anything defensively. He gets beaten too many times. Well, I'm not sure you can throw that criticism at a player who is in the back line that's conceded three goals in the league this season. You know, I, I think that that argument is slightly invalid now. You know, the, the whole defence has shown that defensively they're very very capable. So. Um, he's turned into a very, very complete player. But I think as well, it's not just what he's doing on the pitch. Obviously, Gerard, as you alluded to, said that he's preparing properly. His training is, um, you know, he's just on another level this year. But it, I, it's the way that he kind of represents the club and all of the other stuff that a captain should do. You know, apparently it's even things like when a new signing shows up, he's making sure he's in the WhatsApp group and he knows where to go to get his haircut and, and get this and get that. And I think he's just an all-round good ambassador for the club. I think when he was brought to the club under Warburton and then was playing under people like Caixinha, I slightly worried that he was immature um, and he was never really a leader. And that made me a bit nervous when he was made captain under Gerard. But the improvements that that boy has made is just staggering to see. And, and I think we're really, really lucky to have him. I think there's, um, he's the kind of player who could do very, very well down in England. He could make a really solid career. So I think we've been lucky to hold on to him as long as we have, and I don't, you know, I think he's now right at the peak of his career. He seems happy with us, and I think, you know, it, it certainly looks like he's going to be the captain that gets to lift fifty-five, which is considering that the output on goals and assists alone this season is is very well deserved. Frankie, on on the on the sort of goals today shared around the team, uh, Roof obviously got the first one, Tav. Uh, there was an own goal and Defoe uh, came on Jermaine Defoe came on and scored on his 800th appearance uh, which again is, is quite remarkable and I think Chris Boyd was right to highlight that when he comes on he still looks like he wants to score goals uh, so I mean it, it is a good sign that we're, we're, we're sharing goals throughout the team you know we're, we're scoring 
lots of goals in, in every game. Our goal difference are now is I think we're like twenty one goals ahead of Celtic. You know, we're not conceding, sharing goals throughout the side. But a lot of comment today uh, online and, and post-match as well and the coverage uh, with Chris Boyd about the, the sort of contribution of Morelos. Uh, how do you feel about that? You know, I see people saying that he's dropping off and linking up the play and that's why he's not scoring as much. But I, I, I still have slight concerns. It's not so much about the goal scoring. I think sometimes he's a wee bit wasteful. Uh, with possession, and th- and th- there are times I actually forget that he's playing. Uh, but how do you feel about it? Do you think it's this new system, or do you think there's there's an issue with his, his general all round play at the moment? I think Morelos has played absolutely fine. Um, I think his his contribution to the team has been a bit underrated actually, and I think people are have been a bit too quick to 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 concentrate on his uh, contribution above others. I mean, for, let's go back to 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 uh, Thursday night's game I thought all three of them didn't really play very well in the first half um, but the only person that was getting talked about certainly in our forum at half time was Morelos which I thought was a wee bit unfair um, after half time I thought all three played a bit better and I, I think Morelos has done fine over the piece um, there's no doubt he's had to change the way he plays but he still occupies defenders in a similar way and, and the, 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 our first goal today showed that I mean the ball got played into him he held it well, he could have played it out to Tav, he didn't he? because the pass was on. so he, he took it back to Davis, but by coming deep he, had already, he created that space for not only Tav to go in behind, but also Roof to, to get into the box as well, so I think, oh, fair enough, he's not playing brilliantly, I think that's that's a fair point, he's not at the top of his game, but he is having to play a different role, I think we need to be a bit more patient in that respect and understanding. And I would see the point if he was missing a lot of chances, and then you could be critical of his lack of goals, but he isn't actually getting very many chances at all, and that's why he's looking a bit frustrated, I think, because he's, he's doing quite a lot of hard work outside the box, and he isn't really getting his rewards in the box, because there isn't much sort of falling to him. I mean, the, the day was a good example. Uh, Tav did well on the right-hand side, cut it back, it wasn't the best cutbacks, and the defender put it into the goal. If it had been a decent ball for Tav, Morelos would have scored. And then obviously Morelos goes off. Eaton does quite well in the last couple of minutes, and and Defoe scores. So we Morelos must have been gutted. But at the same time, um, it's, that's that's just that's part and parcel of being a team player, and he has to understand that. And I think that's maybe taking a wee bit of time as well, and it's maybe um, explaining his frustration to a certain extent. But I think he's doing fine, um, and I, I certainly don't think there's any reason to overreact or be, or be too worried about his lack of goals because I think he's still contributing to the team as a whole and I think that's at the minute that's the most important thing Ross <clears throat> staying on Morelos there was there was an incident just before half time you know it was quite a bad foul actually uh, I, I don't know I can't remember the boy who done it but you know it was pretty hefty and he was booked but there was an incident afterwards with, with, with Michael Gardine you know Connor Golton was obviously annoyed and upset uh, Gerard at half time was 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 very upset as well, and it was sort of implied that something serious was said. Now, obviously, we're all con- you know con- considering who the player is. It's Morelos and all the rest, and the fact that Connor Goldson seemed quite quite uh, upset by it. You know, the, the sort of subject we all sort of moved to was it something of a racist nature or all the rest of it. But there seems to be a feeling now that it was something homophobic that he's he's been accused of saying. Uh, now, Stuart Kettlewell, he sort of said he would have to get uh, confirmation and then he would do an investigation and, and 
you know, to, to confirm what was happened, uh, what happened, and what was said. He said that the referee said to him that the reason he was booked, he was booked at half time, was 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 not linked to the sort of accusation. It is difficult, and we don't want to over speculate at the moment. But it does seem, you know, Gerard was visibly angry. Connor Golson visibly angry. A couple of others. It, it seems like something has been said that uh, the players didn't appreciate. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Gerard doesn't tend to go to the referee at half time. And as soon as the whistle went, did he? He was straight to the referee, um, pointing to himself, pointing to the players, pointing to the fourth official. Something's definitely happened. And uh, yeah, it seems, by all accounts, it seems that something's been said. And, and, and like yourself, I was like, well, hang on, Morelos has been the target of racial or racist comments in the past um we, we sort of seem to forget that sometimes but he was racially abused in a match uh by by opposition supporters so my mind immediately went there uh, as a, i think a lot of people did but yeah it seems actually certainly from some of the stuff that's been said online obviously all of this is just to a degree speculation and, and people putting the dots together but um, some people reporting what was allegedly said online now and uh, I think the pundits at the game Ricky Foster mentioned something along the lines of homophobia as well so perhaps it was picked up on a, on a Sky Sports microphone um, if that is the case there's just and it's not even that there's no place for it in the game it's just disgusting what, I mean, it's, it's, it's awful, it's pointless also by the way it's, it's Rainbow Laces campaign this week so Phenomenal timing to highlight the problem that this whole campaign is trying to drive out. Um, yeah, look, Gerard was very upset. The players were very upset, quite rightly. Um, if if that is what's happened, and, and as we say, to a degree, it's a bit of speculation at the moment, but it certainly doesn't that something serious has happened. Then uh, it's 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 really saddening. It's really disheartening in this day and age in a progressive country like like Scotland and like the UK for for that to happen. Not acceptable. I think Gerard's response to it after the game. There seems to be two schools of thought on this. Some some folks saying if he knows what was said, he should call it out and say that player made a comment that was unacceptable and, and we want to see action taken. Okay, fine, he could have said that. And what he did say was, I know what's been said. This is now for Ross County to sort it out. We have, you know, we'll, we'll deal with this in our own way. And I think it's probably best not to play this out in the public domain. I think Stuart Gettowell did the same thing, saying, look, we'll investigate it and we'll find out, we'll come to a conclusion. But I hope it doesn't get kind of swept under the rug. You know, if something serious has been said, um, I think we need a high-profile example to show that this is not acceptable in in football, in society, anywhere. It's just it's just not on. Sure, uh, on the, on the same issue, you know, I, I think Ross makes a good point in terms of. You know, we, we need to establish the facts, and, and Ross County seemed to be going down that road. So, but I mean, it was obvious that Gerard was was angry. You know, and 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 I think he handled it quite well. He, he never made, you know, he didn't went into details in terms of what he was claiming happened. They just said what what was said was wrong, and it needs to be investigated. And and you know, Ross County need to look into that. And I think that's maybe what we all need to do. So, does it help? when you see someone like Michael Stewart tonight on sports scene just saying, there's nothing to see here, let's just move on, you know, nothing's happened. You know, we're not sitting here saying that something's definitely happened. We're saying here that an accusation has been made and, you know, a, a thorough investigation needs to happen. And then you've got Michael Stewart just sitting there going, no, nothing to see here, let's move on. That's not helpful in any, any way, shape or form, surely. 
Well, it's Michael Stewart's default position when it comes to um, anything related to Mike, uh, Alfredo Morelos, isn't it? Um, if it's Morelos, then he'll spend weeks talking about it and criticising him. If it's against Morelos, then it's we we'll just have to move on. It was the same when that the, the tackle earlier in the season, I think it was a Dungeonetti player, wasn't it? Where they, he, he followed through and gouged a big hole in Morelos' thigh. Um, there was nothing, there wasn't any problem, let's move on, what's the big deal, let's get on with it. And it's the same today, um, Morelos is subjected apparently to some kind of um, offensive language. Um, I don't know how bad it was, was it? Uh, but, but, but I'm sure it'll come out in the wash to be honest. And, and I think when it does, I think Stuart will, will look pretty, pretty silly. Um, as he often does, and it's it's just a shame that he's always the sort of main um, guy on sports scene for for week to week because he's it's pretty hopeless. He he, he puts himself over as some sort of intelligent um, smug uh, commentator when he's, he's nothing of the sort really. Um, he's just another Chris Sutton light, and I, 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 to be honest, I probably wouldn't rather not talk about him. I think um, if we want to talk about uh, pundits doing a decent job just now, let's go back to Chris Boyd. I think he's doing doing fine, doing a, a much better job than Stuart and and uh, somebody like Neil McCann, who, who still works for the BBC but is able to to uh, to, to be much fairer in his his discussion of Rangers. Whether I mean, obviously McCann was a, a former Rangers player, and I don't think he hides the fact that he's still a supporter. He, he asked, but at the same time, he's, he's he's more than happy to be critical when he needs to be. Um, and he's, he's, he knows a lot more about football and has played at a level that, that Stuart can only dream of. Ross, uh, we're in December, as we know, as the three uh, alludes to. It, it is a vital month, uh, and it has been a vital month over you know the, the last couple of years, and the last couple of years has seen us having some tricky fixtures, and we had the cup final last year as well, and we've came through it well, and then come January, We've we've kind of we've kind of lost lost our way a wee bit. It's different this year, you know. We're currently what is it, thirteen points clear. Celtic have got two games in hand, obviously. But you know, we've got we've got Dungeon United next week. Then it's Motherwell. Then St Johnson, Hibs at Ibrox, St Murn away. You know, three or four winnable games given the form that we're in at the moment. And then we play Celtic on the second of January. Now, given Celtic have the cup final on the 20th of December, we could increase the points gap further. And then if we beat them on the second, you know, we are in a, a very, very good position. So a, a vital month, you know, and when you consider all the work that the players have put in and the management have put in to get us to this position, how vital is it that they just get through the next sort of four or five games and put themselves in a really good position come January the second? Yeah, absolutely vital. Um, and, and look, the players all seem to have been sat down and told the, the significance of their media comments that they always have to say, we take it one game at a time, we're not getting ahead of ourselves, it's still early days. I think now is the time to put that into practice. Show that you're not looking ahead to, to March, April, May. Show that you're focused on here and now, take it one game at a time. Because like you say, all of those games in the lead-up to the Old Firm on the 2nd of January, they're all winnable. I mean, every, every game in this league is winnable for us. As you've seen from our record so far, um, we have beaten every single team in, in this, uh, we've only played Hibs once, haven't we? But um, every single game is is winnable, absolutely. So, it, yeah, it's it's crucial that professionalism remains at the heart of all of this because we have the better players. I think we have the better players than any other squad in squad uh, squad in Scotland. Um, we have the better coaching staff. We have we seem to have the better fitness. We seem to have the better tactics and ideas and everything. So, um, yeah, there's. 
it's it's really really positive. I think we'll get through December and then look into January and say oh, it's, it's critical that we also keep up momentum in January. But I think um, everything is everything is very very positive. But it, it could all change because as you say, Celtic win their two games in hand that puts them to within seven points. So that's that's two wins and a draw that that we would need to swing that by. It's it's not out of the question. You know that's over the course of a season that's kind of standard that we would we would be dropping points. So it's it's by no means done. And I think, yeah, let's let's close out this calendar year and and have at least a thirteen point gap, regardless of how many games in hand they have. Let's close out this calendar year with a dominance. And um yeah, it's it I think we can all go into the new year. Firstly, thankful that we're not having a winter break where we'll go on some jolly and then come back unfit and, and out of shape. Seems like Celtic are still going to Dubai. I'm not sure how they're squeezing that in with the number of games that they need to make up, but that's up to them. Uh, also, COVID protocols don't seem to bother them about travelling to the Middle East at this time, but again, fine. So we don't need to worry about winter breaks and, and pre uh, mid-season friendly, mid-season training camps. That's all gone. It looks like we're not going to need to worry about going to Rugby Park again if uh, if my maths is right. You know, it looks like they'll possibly end up in the bottom six. Obviously, they um, had their not points deduction, but three points given for the game that they missed for, for COVID reasons have pushed them further into the bottom six. So, even you know, little things like that might might have a really big impact. We hate going to Rugby Park as a club, so that might have a big impact coming into the season. So, yeah, there's there's still lots of hurdles to overcome, but we are passing every single test that is laid down to us. Let's close out this calendar year, and I think we can start to feel really, really positive. I think what I would say is I noticed a lot of... Um, Scottish media outlets, maybe a month, six weeks, two months ago, they were talking a lot about, yes, Rangers have been doing well, but this supercomputer predicts that Celtic will still win the league. Um, that supercomputer comes from a website called 538.com. I've checked that just before we came on air. That supercomputer is now predicting that Rangers have an 88% chance to win the league. So it's, it's all going well. We're on track. The media have stopped reporting about the supercomputer which is maybe a good thing um, but yeah let's let's close out this year and then I think we can start to really really enjoy it come January February thing Frankie on, on the, the January thing you know last December was, was was a successful December you know with really good results uh, against Celtic against Hibs and we re- really narrowed the, the gap and that's the point I'm about to make we were, we were chasing last season we were chasing the year before you know we're, we've now I think Ross is right you know we've got to take it game by game and I think that's what Gerard is really focused on at the moment every press conference he just says focusing on the next game and and I get that but you know four or five games then a game at Celtic Park you know we, we are pretty close to putting ourselves in a very very good position moving on into January but we also need to remember that nothing's won you know, and we just need to keep that focus on. So how do you feel about this December now that it's, it, it does feel slightly different to me because because we're, we're leading from the front, you know, the last two or three Decembers, it's been all about, you know, keeping keeping up with Celtic and making sure we we're close to them. This year, it's totally different. It's We could go into January with, you know, 15, 16 point gap, you know, if we win that game on the 2nd of January. So it does feel different. Uh, and, and how does that make you feel? Confident, um, very confident actually. Um, Ross mentioned that two, a few minutes ago there's been a lot of hurdles this season and every single one we seem to have cleared. 
um, we beat Aberdeen, we beat Kilmarnock, we've qualified for the uh, Europa League nice and quick, we've came back for, for, for going 1-0 down in games, we were, uh, on Thursday we were 1-0 down, 2-1 down, we've had the various knocks and the, I feel completely confident in this team. But one game that, that uh, rings a bell actually in that front was the, the, the game over in Benfica when we conceded right after the first 60 seconds. The, the camera went to Gerard and he was completely calm at the side and he was he was gesturing at the players to calm down, relax, not to worry and just to play themselves into the game. And, and it took us 10 or 15 minutes but we did do that um, and, and the, the same things happened in a lot of the games domestically. Um, today for example, we're almost half an hour before we scored but the players didn't panic. They were just kept knocking the ball about and kept playing our own game and, and I think that's what I'm, I've enjoyed most about this team. We, we seem really focused and um, and maybe in, in other games you'd you think, like last season or previously, you'd think there's there's been times where you can see this, that there's a bit sort of panic involved and and uh, the, the team are worrying about the next goal. I, I didn't really see that this time. They seem to have a, an impressive sort of confidence in themselves to, to go and win games and, and I must admit, I'm, yes, we have to avoid complacency, and that's really, really important. But at the minute, I just didn't really see that for this team. They seem, they seem to know what's required in every match and go out and do it. And and, and actually, in some ways, I don't think we're playing all that well at times. I think there's periods in games, twenty minutes here or there, but we're not our best. We're not that fluent, but we're still going and beating teams fairly comfortably. And we did that today. I mean, I, I thought we didn't play that great at all for the first half. Uh, but we got a goal exactly the right time after County almost scored, and then the second half we seemed to, to to be a bit better. You, you mentioned the pitch; the pitch was, I mean, how many players slipped and fell in the first half? Kamara was was bad for it. Uh, Roof, there was two or three um, County players as well, and I, I don't know if they changed their footwear. Some of these guys after half time, but you didn't see anybody slip in the second half, and they seemed to move the ball a bit quicker. They seemed to be a wee bit more confident, and, and that's what seems to be demonstrated time after time at the minute. And, and I think that's one of the things that's, that's causing problems for Lennon and for Celtic, is we didn't look like dropping points. We, we look like the team that, have, that, that are the winners, that have been winning trebles and winning trophies and winning leagues. And, and at the minute, it's difficult to see us dropping points. That's not to say we will not, and it'll be interesting to see the reaction for, for the players and the manager and, and the fans, obviously, when the inevitable does happen. Because at some point, we're going, to, we're going to draw or we're going to get beat. You can't just keep winning games and, and no conceding goals. Something bad is going to happen, and we're, we're going to have to deal with that. Um, you're just hoping, as Ross said and yourself said, that we can get through to, to after the Celtic game and, and maintain the gap that we've got just now. And if you can be a net seven points ahead, that's that's looking really good going into the next period of the season where we're going to have more home games. So fingers crossed that, that, that it's going to get even more difficult for Celtic. And you don't know, obviously, what's going to happen over there the next uh, uh, two or three weeks. I mean, is Lennon still going to be in a job tomorrow? I don't know. Um, certainly maybe not if he keeps dropping more points then there's no danger he's going to be um, kept on as manager ahead of the, the, the next game against us so it's we, we, as I say we can only avoid complacency and just keep hoping the players play like they're doing because just now it's it's excellent and that, that confidence is, is manifesting itself amongst the, the fans and certainly I can only speak personally just watching Rangers now it's, a, it's great to watch sitting relaxed and, and you just didn't worry and whereas in previous years 
you'd be panicking if you go one one nil doing at home against Standard Liège or if you're still nil nil after half an hour against Ross County. But no now, so th- this is this is a positive as we we'll have to take, and, and it's up to the manager to, to to maintain that and to manage the the players and the fans' expectations over the next uh, two or three weeks and and beyond. Ross, on on the sort of character side that, that uh, Frankie's sort of alluding to there, we got a wee sort of glimpse of it on Thursday night uh, against Standard Liège. Uh, it was, you know, went down one nil very early on, uh, came back, and then within what was it a minute uh, coming back, we conceded another goal, and it was the, the two goals were fairly scrappy and a bit. Uh, avoidable actually, and a wee bit worrying. You know, it was that, that sort of. Oh, is this the turning point? Is this when the Rangers of old sort of uh, pop into it? But we came back well. Uh, and Scott Arfield, your favourite, <laughs> he got the winner. And it it, it was. I mean, it, it was probably the most hard fought victory of of the group so far. Uh, at, at, at points, I must admit, I had a bit of squeaky bum time going on, but. Again, it revealed a different side to this team, and it's something again we've questioned on this show. We've questioned the character of this team. You know, we've questioned how they can react to, to bad things and, and 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 tough moments in games. And that on Thursday night was the biggest example I think I've seen so far of. Yep, when they they do face something, when the plan does go a bit wrong, they can they can come back and they can come back well. And that footage, I don't know if you've seen it, the, the goal of Arfield, sort of from behind the goal, and you can hear all the shouts, especially the Tavernier. You know, it just makes you, it just gives you so much confidence. You know, this side can they can win well, but it also looks like they can they can win when the chips are down as well. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's it's encouraging to see that because we haven't had to do that very often. I mean, ben, the games against Benfica are, are slightly different because that's us really going in as underdogs and, and, and any result is a good result, really. But against Liège, you know, it, there was so much at stake in that game to, to qualify with a game to spare. To you know, We needed to win that game to try and maintain the chance of us winning the group. So there was, there was quite a lot to, uh, at stake there. So you had to go down um, so early, uh, well, not, sorry, not necessarily early, but um, to go a goal behind in the way that we did, I thought we played really poorly actually in the first half. I, I, I thought we were lucky to get in, get in level. So then to come out to change it around, come out second half, it showed real character. That's that's that word that, that Brendan Rodgers always used to describe his players is that they showed character, but they they did. they showed really good character um, to find a different way to win, to overcome. You know, let's let's be fair to Liège. Liège set up phenomenally. They 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 identified our, our threats from fullbacks and they nullified it. But we changed the we changed the game, we changed the setup, and it worked. Um, so I think I think praise has to go to the players for the character that they showed and to, to, to grind out the result. And that such a such a cliche, and I hate football cliches, but good teams find a way to win when they're not playing so well. And that was absolutely what happened on on Thursday night. I didn't think we played that well, certainly in the first half. So praise to the character to the the character of the players for for getting that win. And praise to the coaching staff for finding a way to do it and, and tweaking things and making changes and, and getting the result because that's a huge result for us to qualify uh, a, a week ahead of schedule and to qualify. All we need to do this Thursday is match Benfica's result and we win the group. We win the group and we end up playing an easy. And we were fourth seeds as well, remember? And we were fourth seeds. It's you know, it's um, yeah, it's it's just it's so encouraging. It really is. 
Frankie, on, on the two goals that uh, Standard Liège got, uh, I mean, the, the one thing that worried me was we allowed the crosses into the box, especially the second one. Uh, I think it was Kamara was standing way off and, you know, just allowed the, the, the crosses into the box. And it's, it's been, it was very unlike us, you know, to, to concede two goals like that is not typical of Rangers this season. So are you, are you positive or are you a cynic like me? On Thursday night, I was thinking, oh, well, that's the start of it. You know, this is the start of Zodji defending and, and things are going to go different from here on in. Or do you think it was just a blip? It was just on the night. But as we've already said, we managed to get over it and secure the win anyway. But the manner of the two goals, I must admit, I did find slightly concerning. Aye, the second goal in particular was a really poor goal to lose after getting herself back into the game and uh, conceding a goal right after the, the our, uh, first equaliser. But I, th- I think that rather than be concerned about that per se, I think I think the issue, you know, the main issue was the that Standard played so well um, and I don't think we knew how to deal with them to be honest in that in that first half and we were trying to play a normal game we were trying to uh, uh, force Tav and Barisic uh, as far forward as we could like we normally do and it wasn't working because they, they were forcing their players forward and the problem we had was the our midfield was struggling badly I thought Davis had his worst game in a long time and in the, in the, certainly for the first half an hour or so Kamara was poor um, and even Arfield was struggling to get into the game and, and further forward Kent wasn't getting the ball near was Morelos and Roof was giving it away as well so right through the team we were struggling and, and I think um, obviously the, the goals came for the, for the wide areas but it was because the, the first goal I, I don't think Arfield gave enough cover on the right hand side um, and then the second goal, just like you mentioned, Colin, it was Kamara that was sort of fell asleep and and didn't realise they were taking a quick free kick and certainly didn't get out there fast enough. Uh, as I say, there was two or three players that seemed to be off the boil and and just seemed to to lack a bit of pace. And I think I think we were just a bit surprised with with how well Standard came at the box and they really played at a high tempo and really had a go at us. And but as I say, we, we struggled a wee bit and that's that worried me a wee bit more than the the goals themselves but again we'll have to take the positives the reaction was excellent maybe we're a wee bit lucky with the um with the penalty i think that's fair enough i mean but we've had one against us you'll remember edmondson against leverkusen in in, uh, last season competition i thought that was quite harsh that's the rules and um, it goes for you it goes against you we just got to deal with that and then after half time we played really really well we really took the, the game with the scruff of the neck and I think Standard did actually tire a wee bit. I think they put a lot into that first half, and I think um, that the, 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 um, they got the sort of stuff and knocked out them a wee bit just by the by the, by the equalisers and by the times. And then, as I say, we could have won that game five six two quite easily, and it wouldn't have flattered us. Um, but definitely, we we'll have to we we'll have to maintain our defensive outlook. We we'll have to be careful. I mean, against Falkirk, I think Bassett gave the ball away once or twice. Today he did it again, as did Balogun, and then at the very end, McGregor let a pass back go under his, his boot as well. So it just shows you if you if you do fall asleep at the level of the upper league, then you will get punished. So we've got to we've got to be better if you want to if we want to go further into the competition and try and improve on what we did last season. Then you can't afford to give away cheap goals, and there's no doubt they were both cheap goals. And I'm just hoping it's just another lesson learned for the team and for the. For the coaching staff, that we, we have to realise that teams just only come up to to, to uh, make up the numbers. They're there to, to to try and match us and to try and beat us. And if we do that, we won't really go, we won't go far wrong um, in any level we're playing at. 
Ross, coming back to uh, Scott Arfield, another goal on the night. Uh, he is, he's, he's like Tavernier. You know, it, it was it, it was a wee bit indifferent last season, uh, in and out the team. But this year, it just seems to be, again, another level. And Gerard, like, like Tav today, you know, after the game on Thursday night, Gerard was very praising uh, Scott Arfield. And it seems that he's one of these players, you know, you, you're thinking of players like uh, Tav, Connor Goldson, Stephen Davis, McGregor, you know, guys that really make that dressing room tick and 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 drag the other guys along with them. And, and he seems to be one of those players this season because I, I have to be honest, with, with some of the signings we made in, 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 in the, the, the summer window there, I did wonder if it would feature at all this season. But it, it seems to have, it's this thing that Steven Gerrard wanted, you know, the, the whole thing about two players for every position, you know, increase the level of competition and bring the best out of players. And he seems to be one of the ones that's that's picked up on that because his performances this season are probably the best that I've, I've seen him play at Rangers since, since he arrived. Yeah, I absolutely agree. He's impossible to leave out at the moment. Um, he, yeah, last season, last season was really poor for our field. You know, I, I think the year before, two years ago, was a that was been his, his first year at the club. I thought he was, you know, he was really, really important to the way that we played. But last year, he just went off the boil a wee bit. Um, yeah, this year, it's as if someone's lit a fire under him. It's as if you've looked around at the recruitment that we've done and, and the strides that everyone else is making and gone, I'm going to get left behind here. And, you know, you know, he's, he's approaching the tail end of his career. He's, what, 32? Something like that. So he doesn't have a huge number of years left in him. I think he realises that this this is probably his last chance to make a, a big material contribution at Rangers, and Christ, he's really, really going for it, and it's phenomenal. I mean, that goal uh, on on Thursday night is is wonderful, and again, we, we spoke about. I think it's the the footage from behind the goal where you can hear all the shouts. You can hear him coming a mile off shouting for Kent, um, and fair play to Kent getting his head up and, and picking out that pass. It's really, really well done. Um, but yeah, he's he's absolutely instrumental to everything that Rangers have done right this year and um, I'm kind of happy to eat my words on, on Scott Arfield I think he was poor last season and I'll stand by that but wow he's he's really shutting me up this time You know what I loved about that footage from, from behind the goal See, as you say as Arfield shouts for it you know and, and Kent sees him as the ball's going to cross the face of the goal you hear Taft shouting Go on, Scotty. You know, it's as if he can see there's an opportunity to score. You know, yeah. finish it. And, and not only does it show the sort of the best of our field, obviously that's who we're discussing at the moment, but I think it shows you how the team are, are working at the moment. They, they seem to be a well-oiled machine, talking well, uh, supporting one another. And it was, it was, it was a great bit of footage. Uh, Frankie, coming back to you, uh, our fellow Jersey uh, contributor, Alex Anderson, put a remarkable sort of start on after Thursday night and it was Gerard's European record and it's played for a 121 drawn 14 and lost 5. Now I am a 48 in my next birthday uh, and I am struggling to think of a Rangers manager who has had that sort of record in Europe uh, over 40 games. I mean I'll, I'll, I've not checked it but I would be pretty sure that if, if he's if he's not the best performing Rangers manager in my lifetime, then he's certainly up there. I, I think that's a remarkable record, and he, he really has since he's arrived at the club. And when you consider where we were the year before in Europe with Pedro in the hedge and all that kind of stuff, he has taken us uh, to a new level, and it seems to be an arena he knows how to get teams playing in. 
Aye, it's it's fantastic actually. I mean, if if you went back you know, two or three years to when he came in and, and and suggested this is where we would be in such a short period of time in European terms, you'd, you'd get laughed at. And uh, clearly, um, we, we need to, to achieve silverware domestically, and that's fine. And, and I'm hoping that'll be happening sooner rather than later. But uh, the, the European stuff stands on its own really, really well, and it, and it shows the progress of the team right through Gerard's time at the club and. And it's not like you're, we're playing really small teams and, and, and provincial sides for, for sort of Eastern Europe. It's okay that there's some of the earlier games, the qualifying games, that we're not exactly playing the cream of the crop, but there, there's some great results. I mean, we should have beat Benfica twice, we've beat Feyenoord, we've beat Porto home, we should have actually beat them over there as well. Uh, you've beat uh, Liga Warsaw. Loads of teams, you can go right through them all and, and, and did well against teams like Villarreal, Spartak Moscow as well. So they, they really have demonstrated time and time again that we're, we're prepared to go toe-to-toe with anybody. And I think the good thing is when you want to compare this side with, with other Rangers teams where you go back to to uh, sort of 12 years ago to the uh, Walters team that, that took us to Manchester or, or further back to his, t- uh, his team in, in the, the, the sort of inaugural Champions League, we're, we're going and playing these teams and, and as I said earlier just going toe to toe with them not not standing back and parking the bus and, and hoping for a, a goal on the break or, or, or the odd uh, set piece and trying to bully teams in, at corners we're, 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 we're playing different tactics in different games There's occasionally we'll, we'll, we'll all play a low block or a medium block other times we'll, we'll deploy a, hard, a, a high press or we'll try and get into the channels, we'll go direct and that's been a feature of our, our play this season at home and abroad actually is we've varied it up and a lot more than, than what we've done previously and, and I think it's our experiences in Europe that's allowed us to do that, I think we play a lot better football than, than we're given credit for, I think it's excellent sometimes, some of the stuff I mean, I think the, the, the second goal over in, in Benfica when goes and has the ball on, on the, the byline and chips it to, to Tav who then you know it knocks it up the line and, and we've done that time after time this season I think the first game at Aberdeen we did it and, and teams just can't seem to, to, to cope with it and that's why for example today County they allowed us to have the ball they didn't try and offer that high press but it's something that you, you will experience away in Europe for example so it's something that you have to be able to deal with and, and that, as I say that, that confidence uh, comes entirely for, from our European play over the last few years and, and we deserve a huge amount of credit to, to have that kind of record and to only be beaten a few times and recently only by, by Leverkusen who let's face it are, they're a Champions League team they're a top quality side um, is, it really bears well for us and it's as I say it all, all rolls into one thing it's just confidence for the players it's com- confidence for the fans and and it's fantastic and as I say we just need to add that, that cherry on top now which is, is, is silverware and, and it, that probably is not going to come in Europe but it, it should and hopefully will come domestically Ross, given uh, all the positives in Europe and you know Gerard's record uh, which you know Frankie's just sort of uh, highlighted there What's your hopes for the knockout stages? Because, I, I, I mean, I, I felt we were unlucky last season with the draw. I mean, we really did get one of the teams that, you know, <laughs> were probably one of the favourites to win it. Uh, and and they, they showed over the two legs that they were, they were a level above what we sort of played before. Uh, but, if, I mean, if, if we get a kinder draw, could, could you see us going fairly far in this competition? 
But I mean, don't forget, obviously, we, we, you know, the first team we had in the knockouts was Braga, which was actually considering we came second in that group, not a bad draw because it got so. Um, I was just actually just now just been looking through the tables. If we if we win that group, which like I say, all we have to do is match Benfica's result. We don't even have to beat them on goal difference or anything. We win the group, and if that happens, I think I'm right in saying that we'll play a team that finished second in their group. Um, there's some beatable teams there. Young boys, we obviously know a lot about Mould. We've, we've come up against before and, and seem to have sort of a, almost an annual uh, tie against Celtic at the moment. Bayer Leverkusen, please do not want them. Avoid PSV Eindhoven, avoid Real Sociedad, avoid. Could get Braga again, um, would take them. AC Milan would be very, very funny. Uh, so there's a couple of teams that I would certainly wouldn't want someone like Tottenham or, or um you know, there's a few clubs that I think we should avoid, but there's, there's some beatable clubs there. And, you know, the, the clubs that we've, as Frankie says, the clubs that we've beaten in the last two years, man, are incredible. Clubs like Porto beat them over two legs. Um, if, if this was a, a two-legged tie against Benfica, we'd have won that on away goals. So uh, it's almost like you shouldn't fear anyone. And how far can we go? Well, we're taking on the best that this competition has to offer. And... No one's, no one's beating us. No one will want to face us. So then I started thinking about, well, who have we got in the Champions League that's about to drop down? I mean, there's clubs like Real Madrid. So ideally avoid that kind of a draw. But there's, there's, there's clubs here who are no better than what we've already beaten in the last two years. And, and we're stronger than we have ever been, I think. So bring it on. I'm not saying we're going to win it. I mean, it's, uh, the, the odds on us winning it are sort of, 50 to 1 or something but there's no reason why we can't go one better or two better than we did last year and it's it's such a joy to, 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 to witness it the only real regret is that none of us can be there you know somebody's yeah. trip, how much would you have loved to have gone to Poznan I've never been to Poznan it would have been an incredible trip but look it's not to be the most important thing is that the club is there and the club is I think doing us all proud my biggest fear is we get Real Madrid and we, we can't go. It was bad enough not getting to see Benfica, but you know Real Madrid would be a proper, a proper kick in the teeth. But eh, I'm I'm like you. I, I, that's the reason I asked the question. I think we could maybe go one or two better this season if if the, if the draws favourable. And given you know what came out in the the, the recent accounts in terms of how important European football is, I, th I think that would obviously be a bonus. Uh, speaking of the, the sort of money side of thing, guys, uh, I thought we would finish up uh, the sort of last 10 minutes of the show looking at Dave King's comments uh, on Thursday, Friday there. Obviously, there was an announcement uh, that Club 1872 are, are going to try and, and, and purchase his shareholding. Uh, and on the back of that, there was there was an interview with STV uh, with Dave King. So, uh, Frank, I'll come at you first. It's just a sort of your your general feel about some of the comments he made because I saw some uh, I saw some positive stuff on social media and also saw some negative stuff. And and a couple of things he said were, were a bit bullish and and made me sort of wince a wee bit. Uh, but interested to hear your points. So, I mean, one of the things that he claimed. Uh, Club 1872 is the best representation of what he feels as a meaningful supporters group. Uh, he says he has a long relationship with them. And uh, he also said that they deserve a seat on the board, you know, if at the end of this process they've accumulated enough of a shareholding. And an interesting comment, he said the current chairman would be uh, receptive to that. 
one of the things that kind of made me wince a wee bit was uh, the, the comment about, you know, we value the, the, the squad at 200 million. Now, I'm not saying he's a million miles off that, but I think comments like that always just attract headliners, you know, to, to, to sort of twist words and all the rest of it and make it sound worse than it actually was. Uh, and he also said, and I think we've already discussed this, that it would be sort of essential, uh, inevitable in, in the summer that one or two of the playing assets would be moved on to balance the books. So what were your views on, on that sort of stuff uh, with Dave King? Well, first and foremost, I think we have to we have to thank Dave King, don't we? I mean, um, it was mentioned in the interview. I, I don't know where the club would be if, if, if Dave and, and the other guys involved, the Three Bears, didn't they wrestle control from from uh, Greenco and, and the other chancers. So uh, um, for me, he'll always go down as, as, as a legend. Um, I think time will be kinder. On King um, and what he achieved at his time as as chairman as and as major shareholder, and I think it might be a number of years before we really appreciate just how important he was to the club and and what he managed to do. However, I'm not entirely convinced about what's happened in the last few days. Um, uh, the timing worries me a wee bit. Um, I can understand his intentions seem fairly honourable, and um, I think to for to Club 1872 to achieve more shares and for fans to have um, a 25% plus one uh, shareholding would probably be um, a positive in most supporters' eyes. Um, however, as I say, it, 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 for me, it, it kind of sort of detracted to, to what was happening on the pitch. Uh, and I guess there's a reason for that because, I mean, they, they want the, the, the scheme to never again scheme to be successful so the best time to do something like that is when the team's playing well and things are going well on the park but at the same time if you're going to do that then let's keep it fairly low-key and let's avoid the kind of sort of media comments that you mentioned that can can then themselves detract for the scheme because it's these are the headline comments about 200 million pound playing squads and stuff like that and Willie's not entirely wrong if it was me I would be wanting to concentrate entirely on, on what he was trying to achieve and talk about the shareholding and talk about his relationship with Club 1872 and talk about the organisation itself discuss why the, the money should be going to, to this scheme and not into the club um, stuff like that it's, it's, and there's time for that to happen I, I know Dave's doing an interview with, with Stevie uh, Clifford on the Full Lads of Had a Dream uh, blog and podcast, that's going to be next week I think probably next weekend it might come out, I'm not entirely sure I'm hoping he'll do one with us as well um, it might be entirely, uh, rather different um, for, for Stevie's one but I know there's been a lot of good questions on our forum for example we've got guys like Blue Dell and, and Craig on our forum who are accountants and they're, they're intelligent guys they're fair guys uh, they've got a lot of integrity and, and, and they, um, they know their stuff so I, I would certainly recommend anybody that's watching this uh, go and have a look at the forum and, and see what they're saying because they know a lot more than me I'm just a layman and I can only sort of go off my, my sort of gut instinct more than anything else and, and, and as I say I don't think that the scheme is a bad thing per se however I do worry somewhat about the timing and I do worry somewhat about the intentions and it's up to King to answer a bit more of our doubts in that respect and the, the same with Club 1872 to be fair and, and I think that will hopefully happen um, I do think it, it, it could be a good thing but I think it has to be managed better than what it has been so far but um, 
we're maybe nitpicking a wee bit at the minute, but we'll see what happens over the next uh, the next few weeks with it. Ross, another thing he said was he couldn't see Stephen Gerrard uh, leaving the club at any point soon. And, and if, if he was going to leave, he would only be tempted by one club. And I think, I think we all know who that is. I, I, it's, it's kind of the impression I get from Stephen Gerrard. You know, I, I think he's honoured every, on, every contract he's ever signed. Every interview, every you know documentary about him, every podcast I've, I've heard him speaking. You know, there, there is a certain level uh, of integrity that, that, that comes with Stephen Gerrard, I think. Uh, and, and I must admit, I kind of agreed with him. I, 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 especially if, if this season goes to plan uh, and we, we get a crack at the Champions League, I, I don't think Stephen Gerrard would be tempted to go anywhere else. Uh, King was obviously you know, integral in, in Gerrard coming in the first place. So do you agree with that? Do you think if, if any suitors did come in because... He's doing such a good job at the moment, you know, as a possibility. Do you think he would be tempted, or do you think King uh, is is on the money? No, I think King's on the money. Um, I, I don't see him being tempted by. I mean, obviously, we're talking about him potentially going to Liverpool, and it's almost as if that story's been written. Um, so that narrative is set that one day, uh, no doubt, one day he will go there. You know, he's come to Rangers to to prove himself that he can work at a top club, uh, and he's I think he's done that already. I think if Jurgen Klopp walked away today, Liverpool would be on the phone tomorrow. And I don't think Rangers would, would stop him. You know, I think I think Rangers would say, you know, pay us the compensation, but and he can go. Um so I don't have any worries about him going to a West Ham or a Newcastle or something like that because he's not going to get what he gets from Rangers at those clubs. He's never going to get a shot at the Champions League. This is a guy who's never won a league title, by the way, he's, and he's, he's never going to have a better opportunity to do that than, than do that as a manager of Rangers um, before he gets his chances at Liverpool. So I, I do agree with him that I uh, with, with Dave King that I don't see Gerard being tempted by by anything else. And and you're right, Gerard comes with a um, more than just a small degree of integrity. It's, it's why the fact that rival fan, rival fans can only attack Gerard by making fun of the fact that he fell over during a game about seven years ago. Like they call him Slippy G because there's there's nothing else to call him because the guy is bulletproof. So yeah, he has a lot of integrity. He will honour out the agreements that he has with Rangers uh, until that call comes from Liverpool. I don't think any of us have had any pretense otherwise since since day one. Um but it looks, you know, it's looking very, very positive that Gerard will be the man to to bring silverware back to Ibrooks and uh it's I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that we've had him for as long as we have, and I think we, you know, we ran into some sticky situations to, you know, before the, the previous season was was cancelled and some really really poor results against Hamilton and Hearts and things were looking bad. But he's learned from that. He's come back from it. Um, it's an incredible run of form that we're on this year. Uh, so no, I'm I'm on the same page as Dave King on that. I have to say I'm, I completely agree with Frankie on on the questions around the money and the shares and the investments and why is that money not going directly to the club when it you can you could get really really quite cynical about that the timing is is odd i don't know it doesn't quite sit right with me either but uh yeah i can't argue with his comments on on gerard thank you one last thing uh, before we go <clears throat> uh dave king said uh, on friday that he, he felt that if it, if it hadn't been for his involvement and the consortium's involvement in 2015, the, the club uh, would currently be in a sort of perilous state. 
Uh, would, would you agree with that? And, and is that his legacy, the, the, the fact that he's left the club in a, in a greater sort of state than, than, than he found it? You know, as, 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 will history, as you said earlier on, will history be kind to him in, in years to come? I don't think there's any doubt about it, to be honest. I, I sat in the Blue Room at Ibrox um, when Charles Green uh, took control and he, he had a meeting with about 30 or 40 other, other fans and I was sitting with, with one or two, one, one lady that was involved with uh, the trust for a number of years and, and Blue Dale from, from the forum and, and right away you could, I, I knew Green was at it and I remember Imran Ahmed was at the back of the room as well and he, he kept looking at him and and I was suspicious right for the very start and I mean and I think it was pretty much proven over time that that, that, that there was I was right to be like that and I mean that's not to try and say that you know everything and you and and try to be a smart arse. it was just it was it was just obvious to me and everything from then on it was it was all about making Charles Green money and that isn't necessarily a bad thing if the club is doing well out of it as well but when you involve Mike Ashley that isn't the case I mean ask any Newcastle fan that and that's where Rangers were heading. We were heading to be another club of Ashley, or certainly a control by Ashley. Um, and does Ashley is, is Newcastle a successful club? Some people argue they are because they're in the Premier League, but other people say they've not won anything in, in God knows how long. So, if, for me, I, I think we're we're in in the right hands. And I was glad that, that that King took over. I've never been King's biggest fan. I'm quite happy to admit that. I think there's doubts about his. Um, some of the things he's said and some of the things he's done in the past, not just in terms with related to Rangers, but his own businesses. However, I think, um, as I said earlier, I think uh, history will look much kinder on him in maybe three, four, five, maybe ten years, and I, I, I think uh, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit. And I don't think there's any doubt. I would much rather have a Dave King in charge or involved with Rangers than a Mike Ashley or a Charles Gein. In fact, they're, it's, it's they're not even in the same ballpark, to be honest. Sorry, but again, I'm still on mute. Sorry, Frankie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I think, I think history will hopefully be kind on him. And it was interesting uh, to hear his comments on Friday. But looking at the clock, guys, I think, I think that's that's just about all we've got time for this week. So a big thanks to uh, Frankie and Ross for their comments uh, and their contributions tonight. Another another great show and, and good stuff from them. Uh, we've got one more Europa League game on Thursday night against Les Poznan, but we'll have a preview show out on Wednesday as usual uh, this season. Uh, and we'll have the show next Sunday. We travel to Tanadice next weekend. We'll have the show out next Sunday. Uh, I, I can't remember off the top of my head who's hosting that at the moment. Uh, but in the, in the meantime, get yourself over to the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. And in the meantime, as I've said throughout the last sort of seven or eight months, Guy, look after yourself, stay safe. Uh, and until the next time, bye.